And today, the topic of my sermon is go or no, all right? And I will be preaching from a portion of Deuteronomy 2 up to Deuteronomy 3. So before I start, I'll just give you a little bit of context of where Deuteronomy 2 and 3 is. So I'll start with Deuteronomy 1. So Deuteronomy 1 says that Moses was actually delivering uh, one of his first address of three to the children of Israel, and he's at the Moab Plains, uh, and this is at the 40th year before they entered the Promised Land. So I know you have studied Joshua uh, a while ago, you've heard about him going into the Promised Land, etc., but this is before. Right, so this is before they entered the promised land. Uh, Moses is talking to them. All right, so you see, there's like these dotted lines there. Um, the map, there's Egypt, and then they go uh, all the way down to Mount Sinai, or they call it Horeb, is where they get the Ten Commandments. So if you want to know more about how the Israelites came out of Egypt, you read Exodus. You want to know more about how the Ten Commandments came, you read Leviticus, and then that's where they move up towards Kadesh Barnea. And Kadesh Barnea is a famous place, and you'll know why, okay? So Kadesh Barnea is where they sent out 12 spies to the Promised Land. Now, you see a cluster of grapes. I'm not sure if it's too small, but this is the Valley of Ashkol, where the 12 spies went, and they cut the grapes and brought it back, okay? And then they asked, they told Moses, look, this is the land, the Promised Land, the land of Canaan. Um, do we want to go in and let's take the promised land? And you know, 10 said no, 2 said go. But unfortunately for the majority one, they decided not to go in. And because of that, they were stuck. And they circled in the wilderness for another 38 years plus. So that's what happened to the children of Israel, okay? So then God tells them in Deuteronomy 2, you know, this generation circling in the wilderness for so long, it's time for you to move to your promised land. And so they made their way up north, as you can see the dotted lines, and as they pass the Zared Valley, it is said that this is when the old generation that did not want to go into the promised land, they all perish. So you're now left with a new generation um, that is ready to take on this journey to move towards the promised land. It's a fresh start for them. So from here onwards, I will be talking about Deuteronomy 2, 24, all the way up to Deuteronomy 3, verse 11. Now, there's many verses there. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I really encourage you to go home and to read it for yourself, okay? So... Deuteronomy 2, verse 24 to 37 is the first portion, and this starts um, with the battle of King Sihon, also known as the King of Hashbon. So at this area, the Jahaz area, they had their first ever battle, right fresh after they came up from the wilderness, okay? And after that, they talk about the battle with the king Og, or also known as king of Bashan. And that's in Idre, and they, you know, they talk about how this, this king Og, he's really scary, etc., etc. And yet, because of God, they managed to conquer the city around there, right? The third portion is Deuteronomy 3, verse 12 to 20, where, you know, after they've conquered the land, then what do they do with the, the land on the east side of the Jordan, which they call, uh, this is where they give the land to three tribes, right? And they are called the Transjordanian tribes. So we'll talk a little bit about all this later on as I go along with my sermon, okay? So the sermon title is Go 
or no. And this is about the children of Israel, like I mentioned. They have come out from the wilderness, and it's a fresh start, it's a new journey, and they are at the brink of moving to the promised land. And even for us today, we are also at the brink of a new season. For some of us, we are in transition. For some of us, we are in a crossroad. We are at a brink of a decision. But you know what? In a few weeks' time, our nation is going to uh, have new SOPs, and we're trying to move the nation towards an endemic. It's going to be a new season for us. What does the future hold for us? It's also going to be a new season for our nation, right? And so, even as we talk about um, them going to the new land and to a new season, let us think for ourselves, even us, we are also going through a new season. And we study in the book of Deuteronomy how the children of Israel in this new season move forward. There are three ways that the people of Israel move forward. First, they moved forward in obedience. Second, they moved forward with assurance. And third, they move forward together. So now I'm going to read a portion of the scripture, uh, verse 36 to 37 only. You go home and read the whole portion, but I'm just going to pick up certain portions of verses, all right? So I'm going to start with verse 36. It says, From Ara, on the rim of the Arnon Gorge, and from the town in the gorge, even as far as Gilead, not one town was too strong for us. The Lord our God gave us all of them. But in accordance with the command of the Lord our God, you did not encroach on any of the land of the Ammonites, neither the land along the course of the Jabbok, nor that around the towns in the hills. So you see, God gave them a command. Don't take this land, don't take that land, take the land that I want you to take. And in this case, it was the land of the king of Sihon. You know, you know when God says go, don't say no. If God says no, don't say go. That's the inspiration of the topic of my sermon. And you know, a lot of us, we sometimes like to do just the opposite. But you know, we need to be obedient to God. Sometimes when we look at, you know, God saying go or no, and we think like, wow, God, you have so many commands for us, so many instructions, so many rules. Um, you know, I just want to be free. You know, I just want to do my own thing. But actually, we forget. At the heart of every command, every command that God gave, whether it's go or no, it's because God wants to keep us in the promised land. God wants to keep us in a place that's safe. God wants to keep us in a boundary of protection. And this is a picture that I have. Um, this is how I visualize it. You see the black line is God's commands, okay? He's telling you, you don't go beyond this. If you go beyond this, you end up in the red area, the wilderness, the danger zone. Stay within my boundaries, the yellow portion. Then you will be in the, in the boundaries of being in the promises of God. You will be in the protection of mine. And you know, God, every time he gives a, a law that says go, it's because he wants to move you towards a good place, a promised land, the place where, you know, you will flourish, not a place um, that is dangerous, not a place that is uh, in the wilderness. But some of us, you know, God says, don't go to the wilderness, but, you know, we still want to go. And, and that reminds me of my son. Uh, so I'm going to embarrass my son a bit. He's a little young, so he doesn't know yet. Uh, but my son, um, Jedediah, and, and his younger brother, they both love to climb things, okay? They, they think 
uh, we are, they are obstacle cause. Every, they can climb anything, they'll climb everything they can get. And their favorite thing to do is to climb our dining table. And then you see my husband, he's sweating, he's like, no, don't climb. And we'll be like, no, don't climb Jedediah, don't climb the dining table, because if you fall down, there's going to be pain. And a lot of times, we don't listen to God until we fall down, experience pain, and then we realize, okay, God, I understand why you told me not to go there. So sometimes we need to pay attention. When God says go, it's because he has something good for you. And when he says no, there's also a reason. It's because beyond there, there's probably danger, and he wants to protect you, and he wants to keep you in a place that is wonderful for you because God has given us a hope and a future. Amen? And so, don't ever bulldoze your way forward when God says no. When God says, no, this relationship is not good for you, don't don't bulldoze your way and say, no, you know, God, I need to marry this person, you know, even though it's, you know, it's destroying me. Or maybe God says, no, don't take this job because, you know, you will have no time for your family, we'll have no time for God, you know, don't. But sometimes we're like, no, I've decided I'm just going to go and I'm going to bulldoze my way forward. And as a result, sometimes we reap consequences. And the consequences sometimes can be painful. For the children of Israel, they reaped consequences. They were stuck in the wilderness for almost 40 years. And sometimes we wonder, like, oh God, why so harsh? 40 years, 40 days enough, lah. 40 months or so enough, you know? Why, why in the wilderness for 40 years? Don't forget, it wasn't the first time that they said no to God. Before that, on their way from Egypt all the way down um, from Mount Sinai all the way to Kadesh Barnea, they were complaining, complaining. And these are the same people who witnessed the miracles of God. These are the same people who you, know, you saw, you know, the Moses, you know, he part the Red Sea, etc., etc. These are the same people who experienced God's greatness and miracle, and still they said, no, God. And they caught themselves in the wilderness there is consequences. Let us reflect today. Are we in the wilderness or are we in the promised land today? You know, for the children of Israel, the promised land was the land of Canaan. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, lots of grapes, no nice land. But what is the promised land for us today? Have you ever wondered, do you think you're in a promised land today? Sometimes, we think the promised land is only when we reach heaven. You know, when I reach heaven, then all things will be great, right? But I believe that the promised land can be found here even today. Because God says in John 10.10, He says, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And in the Passion Version, it says it so well. It says here, but I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That's our promised land. So think in your heart now, right now, are you living a life that is overflow? And you know, to get to the promised land, you need to be obedient, all right? You need to move forward with obedience. For the children of Israel, to get to the promised land, they first has to fight a few small battles. 
And you know, small obedience steps always lead us to big victories in life. Now, when we look at the battle of uh, King Og or King Sihon, how many of you have actually heard of this battle before this? Well, obviously the pastors, but not many of us, right? It's, it's not very significant, right? But how many of you have heard, has heard of, you know, the battle of Jericho, you know, the parting of the river of Jordan? You've heard all those things. But when you think of the battle of Sihon and battle of Og, it's, it's very like almost insignificant to some of us, very small. But actually, if they did not battle those two kings, they would not be able to actually get closer to the promised land. And sometimes we think that, wow, we need to have like big Jericho moments in our life. We need to have the parting of the Jordan River. And then, aha, God, I've reached the destiny you have brought me to. But actually, our destiny in life is carved out by the little, small obedience that we take step by step. What are the little, small battles that you and I need to fight? You know? What are the small obedience steps that we need to take today? Don't think about the big things, just think about the small steps. How about let's start with reading the Bible or praying. That's the land season, right? Tune in to the prayer altars or just coming to church or just being involved in a cell or ministry, serving. So all these little things, if we can't even obey God in the small little things, it's going to be tough to obey God in the big things, okay? So we got to move forward in obedience. We start small with small steps, but we still need to move forward in obedience. And a lot of you, you don't realize that, but even as I talked about my child, you know, going, when I said don't go, um, it breaks my heart sometimes when I see him fall and hurt himself. And when God gives you instructions, go or no go, you need to take heed. Because if you go off and wander to the wilderness, you know, it breaks God's heart. Sometimes we think that, oh, you know, God just wants to give us a lot of commands, but no. It's because God wants you to remain in His wonderful fullness of His promises. And I know parents, when you see your children moving towards, you know, wrong decisions in life, or maybe you see your children just wandering far away from God, I'm sure it breaks your heart. And I believe it also breaks God's heart when we, even though we are adults, we disobey God. So we've got to move forward in obedience. Number two, we've got to move forward with assurance, okay? We move to Deuteronomy 3, verse 1 of 2. Now I'm going to give myself a break. I'm going to make you all read, okay? All of you in the sanctuary, we're going to get you guys, your heart pumping. And go, so I'm nervous, but you know, you're not nervous, but let's make you all read. Let me get the people on top to read and from the right to the left, all of us to read Deuteronomy 3, verse 1 to 2. Ready? One, two, three. Let's go. Do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands along with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon, king of Amorites. So as you see, as they moved on up north, 
there was a battle that they had to go through. They had to battle the king Og. And just to give you a context on who this king of Bashan, king Og, uh, and the city that it takes, in Deuteronomy 3, verse 5, it says that all the cities were fortified with high walls and with gates and bars. And in Deuteronomy 3, verse 11, he talks about king Bashan. He says, Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Rephites. His bed was decorated with iron and was more than 14 feet long and 6 feet wide. Now, this is more than a king-sized bed, okay? This is like a super, super king-sized bed. And, you know, this is what they explained about King Og. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. It actually states these very words. And this is just to allude how grand and how big this king was. So a Rephidus is a type of giant, okay? It's a type of giant. So just to, you know, when you hear this and you're like, wow, and, you know, they had to go and after they fight King Sihon, now they have to fight this king, uh, Og, it's, it's quite scary. And when you hear all this, what they describe, the challenges that the children of Israel describe, does it sound a little familiar? Does it sound familiar? Because, you know, 40 years ago, the parents also faced the same thing. And this is what the parents said in Kadesh Barnea, 40 years ago. They said, the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites. Now, the Anakites are also a type of giant. So you see, the, the parents of this generation 40 years ago also faced the same fears as the children of Israel, the same challenge. And I, and I have this song uh, that I've learned uh, with my son. It's from the album, The Donut Man. It's a Sunday school children's song, and it really describes what happened to the forefathers 40 years ago at Kadesh Barnea. And I'm going to sing it, all right? This is my son's favorite song. He sings with me. It says like this. Ted says no, there are giants in the land. Two says go, God will lead us by the hands. Ten says no, we're afraid as we can be. Two says go, God will give us victory. And that tells us, that's the, the forefathers, they had to go through that. And unfortunately for them, they said no. Okay, they said no to God when God said go. And this is the same challenges that the children of Israel right now are facing with the battle of King Og. But did they go forward? Did they move forward? Yes, they moved forward with assurance. They battled King Og, and we know that they actually conquered the entire area of Bashan as well because they went with the assurance of God. Now, what is the difference between the old and the new generation? And it's not about age, right? It's not about how old you are. It's just something that is different. What is the difference? They face the same fears, the same challenges, and they also, also had the same assurance from God. You know, God didn't just, you know, um, was not just with one generation. He was with another generation. He's always with all the generations because God wants all of us to win and move towards the promised land. So what was the difference? I believe the difference was that the old generation had a slave mentality. You see, the old generation, they were slaves in Egypt. They came out of Egypt, but they never left the slave mentality. 
That's why, you know, even when Moses was bringing them towards the promised land, they're always saying, oh, Moses, complain, complain, and they'd be like, let's go back to Egypt, let's go back to Egypt, because they never realized that there was more ahead of this, more ahead to look forward to. And because they were slaves, they thought, that's all there is to life. That's all there is for them. They didn't think they deserved better. In fact, they even said, I was like grasshoppers compared to the giants. You see, their focus was on their inadequacies. The focus was how small they are and how big were the giants. But for the new generation, yes, they, same, they faced the same challenges, the same giants, but they did not let fear enslave them and keep them from moving forward. The new generation had the assurance of God and they focused on the assurance of God rather than focusing on how big the problem was. How about us? Where is our focus? Do we have things that enslave us? You know, what enslaves us and keeps us from moving forward? Maybe some of you feel like, you know, I don't want to take this role because I don't think I'm good enough. And fear enslaves you. And maybe you, you don't want to reconcile with your loved one. You know, you're angry with your spouse. You know, I don't want to reconcile because I don't want to let go of my anger and bitterness. And that enslaves you. You can't move forward. So sometimes not just bad things keep us enslaved. Sometimes good things also keep us enslaved. What do I mean? Past successes. Sometimes when you have good victories and past successes, we feel like, ah, oh, we're good enough. You know, victory, let's just stay here. And that's, can you imagine if the children of Israel, after they fought King of Zihon, they told Moses, yo, Moses, we've just had our victory. Look at the land around you. We now have the land of Heshbon. Don't need to fight King Og. So scary. Let's just enjoy this new victory we found. And that's what happens to some people. Past success keep them from moving forward. But you know, not just past successes. How about loved ones? Sometimes, some of us, after we have the kid, you know, the child that we've been praying for, and then you don't see them in church anymore. Or maybe after you get married, you're so happy. You know, we don't see you in church anymore. Or maybe some of us, we can't quit a job that's paying too well even though it makes you stumble your faith. Sometimes good things can hold us back. So let us not be enslaved by things. Let us think of things that are holding us back and let us cut that and not be having a slave mentality, but to move forward. So don't let good or bad things hold us back. Because if we're not careful, our reasons can become excuses. What do I mean by that? Every time we don't want to go somewhere because God says go, we always have a reason. No, 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 I, I can't go because, you know, I'm busy, you know, I've got work. Every time we have a reason, and these are valid reasons, okay? All of us have valid reasons. We're not here to judge. Everybody has valid reasons. Do you think for the children of Israel, when they had to fight King Og, don't you think it's scary? They have no war experience. It's not like they have equipments. You know, they are a new generation, so, so young. And yet, they did not focus 
on the problems, but they focus on the assurance of God. And yes, even though you have wedded reasons, but be careful before it becomes an excuse. So when does it become an excuse? It becomes an excuse when God has already said go, and you still say no. And you know, this is not the first time, you know, when God says go and you don't say no, God gets upset. He's, he's actually angry. Do you know that um, even you read about Moses, there was a time where, you know, God told Moses, go to Pharaoh and do these miracles. And he's like, God, no, you know, I'm, I'm very bad with speaking. Don't send me. Send, send my uh, Aaron. Send Aaron. I'm very bad in speaking. And I stumble. I stutter. Please. And, you know, God was actually angry at him because he said, no, I don't want to go. So I pray that we will never be the ones that displease God by using excuses, you know. And sometimes, you look at the children of Israel, you know, even though they were stuck in the wilderness, God continued to bless them. And you're like, God, what's so wrong about building in the wilderness? You know, we, we've come out from Egypt. It's much better land now here. It's, you know, even though it's the desert and everything, it's fine. I don't want to move forward. I'm happy being in the wilderness. What is wrong if I want to stay here? And that's what we say sometimes to God as well. What is wrong, God? I'm okay in my life. It's fine. I've got few problems here, few problems there. It's fine. I, I, I'm fine just being wherever I am. But do you think God wants us to just stay in the wilderness? Do you think God would want us to get to our promised land? Do you think that Jesus Christ came on the cross, died for us, so that we just become Christians and die and then go back to heaven? No. God came to give you a hope and a future and He came to give you life and life abundantly. And because of that, we owe it to God to live that victorious Christian life and not stay in our wilderness and not move forward. We have to move forward with the assurance of God. Amen? And don't let our reasons become excuses. And you know, life isn't easy, right? Just look at the news. There's so much chaos. There's war. We're in this pandemic that we don't know. There's a new strain. Um, you know, there's so many things that we read about, and, and sometimes there's so much chaos and, and this, you know, unrest in where we are. And if we don't have the assurance of God, we will let the circumstances enslave us and keep us stuck in the wilderness. And you know, even sometimes Christians can get overwhelmed, right? Sometimes Christians can get overwhelmed. And we get overwhelmed when we forget that we are a child of God. As a child of God, you have the authority, you have promises of God. You know, you're a child of God. You're a, a child of a big king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's amazing. But sometimes some of us just see this like, oh, very good. God got promised for us. Praise the Lord. But we don't live as if we are living in the promises of God. We forget that we have the authority as Christians to go out there. So no matter how nervous I am in this whole sermon, I'm going to say, I'm going to preach it with all my heart because I am a child of God. So whatever that's keeping you enslaved, whatever nerves you had, whatever that you're afraid of the future, don't let it keep you back. But move forward because you are a child of God. And when I get overwhelmed, I say to God, God, you are for me. Who can be against me? You know, as, as a parent of a new child, um, when I first became a parent, you know, there were so many fears 
There's so many worries, you know. I worry, is my child drinking enough? Is my child pooing enough? You know, even to now, you know, I worry. And there's so many worries we have. And in this pandemic season, all of us have one little worry somehow or other. Whether we worry for our parents' health, our own health, our spouse's health, our children's health, you know, bills to pay, our business. How's, how's the world going to be after we relax the pandemic when the, the borders are open? What's going to happen? We have so many worries and it keeps us up at night. But if you have the assurance of God, you will have peace and rest. I sleep well only because I know that my future is in the palm of God's hands. And I, you know, when I go through a very scary moment, a very difficult moment, I declare scriptures, you know, I declare that, God, you have a promise for me and that you are good and that you are majestic and you are more powerful than anything on all creation. And truly, if God is for us, who can be against, be against us? And that you have given me a hope and a future and you establish the work of my hands and then I have a power and authority to pummel through a difficult situation. When you have the assurance of God and when you know your identity as a child of God, you will have inner strength. You will be able to move forward with the assurance of God. Amen. And I, I just pray, you know, that all of us here have the same assurance of God. I, I really don't know what will happen to me if I did not have the assurance of God. I don't know how I live. I, I don't know how some people go through life. There's so many worries and so many things that just enslave us and overwhelm us but only because I have God to cling on to can I move forward. And I just want to pray for everyone here right now. Just, I just pray for God's assurance to come upon you, to know that you are a child of God and that God is fighting the battle for you, that you do not be, have to be afraid of what lies ahead. Just be strong and be courageous, as God said to Joshua and to Moses. We have to move forward in obedience. Everybody say, move forward with obedience. We have to move forward with assurance. And finally, we have to move forward together. Yes, we got to move forward together. So, you know, uh, in Deuteronomy 3, verse 12 to 17, it talks about what happens after they have battled King Og, King Sihon. Now they got this wonderful piece of land at the, tr the, the east side of the River Jordan, the circle area. And what are they going to do with the land? So they decided that they will, uh, uh, you know, divide the land for the, the three tribes to take over, which is the Reuben, Gad, Reuben, Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh, okay? And this is what God says to the tribes before he gives them the land. He says in Deuteronomy 3, verse 18 to 20, The Lord your God has given you this land to take possession of it, but all your able-bodied men, armed for battle, must cross over ahead of the other Israelites. However, your wives, your children, and your livestock, I know you have much livestock, may stay in the towns I have given you until the Lord has given rest to your fellow Israelites as he has to you. And they too have taken over the land that the Lord your God is giving them across the Jordan. After that, each of you may go back to the possession I have given you. Now you see Moses, he's telling them, you know, before you take this East Jordan land, there, you, need, you need to cross over with your brothers and sisters, the other tribes, to take the promised land. You need to cross the River Jordan too. 
And, and what does it entail when we want to move together? What did it entail for the children of Israel, this, these three tribes who have to cross over with their brothers and sisters? First of all, it seemed like there was nothing in it for them to gain. No, don't forget, they already have the new land, right? This East Jordan land, they just conquered that land, a nice piece of land. And now you want me to cross the Jordan uh, to some unknown land which we know have more giants? You know, it seems like there's nothing for them to gain. They don't need more land. They've got their land already. So it seems as if there was nothing for them to gain. And it seems like a sacrifice. You know, when they go, what happens? They have to leave their family, their children, their livestock. And you know, they had a lot of livestock, right? They said it was like a sacrifice to them. And then they need to trust God. When they leave and go and battle over there, what happens to their children? You know, who's going to take care of their family? And then there's another thing. They have to put away their own agenda for a season of time. You know, I'm sure some of them just got new land, right? Imagine you got new land, you buy a new property. Don't you want to, you know, do something about it? Maybe some of you want to get married. Maybe some of them, you know, they want to have more children. They had to put away all that for a season of time so that they could move together with their brothers and sisters. And finally, they had to submit to one vision. They all have their own vision, all own dreams, but they had to submit to one vision. And this vision was given by Moses. Yes, we all know that the vision is from God, but Moses was the one who told them that the vision is to take the promised land. Can you imagine submitting to one man's vision? Can you imagine if the children of Israel says to Moses, Hey Moses, I've been with you 38 years in the wilderness already, almost 40 years. No need to cross, lah, you know. We, we, you, you tell us you want to take us to the promised land, till now we're stuck in the wilderness. Can we trust his leadership? And sometimes, human nature, we, we question. And, and it's so difficult to submit to one person's vision. Whether or not we believe the person's a man of God, we do have our struggles in submitting. But here, we hear that the children, the three tribes, they actually moved forward. And you know, for some of us, um, moving forward, is, it sounds really nice. It's a good tagline. In fact, last year, I think uh, a few years, we had a, SIBKL always had a team about moving together to conquer, moving together, all these things, right? Moving together, it sounds great. But sometimes, it's difficult to practice. And you know, Sometimes, just one bad election in our country, we're the first to say, let's migrate. There's nothing in it for us here. There's nothing in it for our children anymore. It's familiar, right? Sometimes we say these things. Or what about church? Will there ever come a time where you're like, you know, I don't want to be here. I want to have my own vision. What about your family? What about your marriage? Will there come a time in your marriage that you're like, I don't see us moving together and I've had enough. And that can happen. We need to move forward, and moving forward together always entails some sort of sacrifice, and it's not convenient to move forward. Can you imagine your brother, you have to wait for your brother that's so slow, and then you have to wait for your sister is too fast, and, and then you have to meet all these noisy people, and then you don't have your peace. Wow, when you move forward together, it's not convenient, and you have to learn to forbear with one another. How many of you have been in a big event organization? It's not easy, right, to move forward together. It's like this person doing this thing, this person doing that thing. But we all need to move forward together. Why? Because God has called us to be together because there is strength 
together. The church is made of brothers and sisters. It's not made of one person. The church is the body of Christ, different body parts that all come together with Jesus Christ as the head of the church. We need to move together because there's momentum when we move together and because we need each other more than we can ever imagine. You know, this reminds me of this picture. You know, it says here, maybe the fonts are too small, but it says, I'm glad it's not my end of the boat that's sinking. Sometimes we're like, yo, you know, let the person go and work. You know, we are safe and we are fine. But you know, we're all in this together. All right? Whether you like it or not, we affect one another a lot. And we have freedom of choice, but our choices affect and influence one another. You know, I was just reading about the Ukrainian war, and, um, you know, war is always horrible, whether it's for the people of Russia, the people of Ukraine, war is just horrible on both ends. But what, what struck me was what President Zelensky said, and this is what he said before war actually erupted. You know, so they actually um, gave him an opportunity to be evacuated, he and his family, you know, took safety. I mean, he's a president, right? He, he, he has the power to go uh, and be safe. But this is what he said. He said, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. Amen. I hope that when the battle in church happens, when there's trouble, when there's transition, when there's problems in your family, your church, in your marriage, in cell, or in your ministry, or in anywhere that you are, I hope you say the same thing. The fight is here. I need an ammunition. Like I need more ammunition because I need to fight here. I don't need a ride out. This is just a normal man. Not even not a man. He's not even like, you know, some super Christian or anything. But he can say that because he understands what it means to move forward together. And we do need to move forward together. There, we may not be in a physical war on our end, but I tell you, there is a war happening every single day in the spiritual. The enemy, you know, the promise that came, John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. Do you know what was before that? It says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your destiny. Kill, steal, and destroy your relationships. Cause it to be so much chaos that you cannot move forward. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And therefore, when there is a war around you, when the going gets tough, don't go, don't leave, but come and move forward together. Amen. How do we move forward in our new season in life? Maybe it's not a new season. Maybe you're on the brink of a decision. Maybe you're in a crossroad in your life. Maybe you're in transition. How do we move forward? We need to move forward in obedience, with assurance, and move forward together. And you know, the image I have is like life, we're all stuck like in the middle of the ocean. And there's waves that is just, you know, pushing us back and forth, tossing us. The challenges of life, the, the storms of life is just pushing us back and forth. But God says, you know what? 
I have given you laws and commands and direction. I'm telling you, shore is over there. The promised land is over there. Swim that direction. But some of us, we're like, no, I don't want to listen. I want to swim my way. I want to swim that direction. And we end up further and further away from safety, from the promised land, from the shore. And some of us then are caught in the middle of the ocean and we're like, ah, you know, life is just what's happening. You know, I mean, I'm caught in the middle of the ocean. And I see the float is like the assurance of God. God says, I give you this float. You know, the journey over there to the shore, to the promised land is going to be difficult. You're going to get tired swimming all the way there. Therefore, I'm going to give you the assurance I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you reminders and reminders in the Bible full of promises. The Bible is full of promises. Even the book of law of Deuteronomy, it's full of promises because he's saying, I'm going to assure you that you will get to your promised land. You just need to swim. You can't hold the float and just wait for the wind to blow you. If not, you'll take very long. You still need to swim in obedience towards the direction that God has called you to, which is the promised land. He will never tell you to swim elsewhere because He wants you to swim to the right place, to be safe, to get to shore. And you need to have the assurance of God and not just hold on to it because the float, the assurance of God will be there when you're tired, when you're exhausted, and when the waves of life hit you, you have something to cling on to. And that's the float that God gives you, the assurance of God. And finally, if you're stuck in the middle of an ocean, when night comes, you don't want to be caught alone. You don't want to be caught in the cold, alone, all dark. You want to be with someone. You want someone to spur you on when you're tired and you're wondering, am I swimming in the right direction? You want to have someone swimming with you. You want to go together because when you go together, there's a force there's strength, there's courage. We can share and lend strength to one another. We can encourage one another. And so hopefully, all of us will head towards the promised land together. You know, I am just felt led to ask, does anyone here feel like as if you're like stuck in the middle of the ocean with the storms of life and waves just you know, just crashing in. And we're like in the wilderness. Sometimes we don't know that we're stuck in the middle of the ocean or stuck in wilderness. We think that we're okay, but actually we are going in circles in life and you can't move forward. But today you say, God, I want to move forward because I know that, Lord, you have all your laws and promises and I will know I will get to the promised land, but I just need to swim there. Lord, I want to move forward. If that's you and you want to move forward, obediently, with the assurance of God, and together, not alone, then raise your hand. Just raise your hand to say, God, I want to move forward to the promise that you have given me. Amen. And even you at home, watching in, I don't know, maybe you want to move forward too. Raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, Lord, that truly you see the hands. They're lifted up. They're going to swim to the promised land and you are going to be there with them. And Lord, I pray that you give them assurance to know that even when the storms come, the waves crash, Father, Lord, that you will lead them 
that your word will be a lamp unto their feet. They will know the direction to the promised land. They will not wander and wander in life, wondering, how do I move forward? How do I get to the life that you have promised me that I hear so much of? They will find the promised land. They will conquer it and they will have generations after generations that will enjoy the promises of God in the land that you have promised all of us. Lord, you came to this earth. You died for us to give us a life, a life abundant. So Lord, thank you. May you bring people alongside us so that we don't have to go through this journey together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When the waves come, oh Lord, we know and we have assurance that I am yours and you are mine. I pray, Father Lord, that you are with each and every one of you on site and online, that you are riding the waves with us, that your Holy Spirit will give us such peace, such comfort, such rest, so that we can move on in this life that is although there are tons of waves, but we will get to the promised land because Lord, you are with us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now separate us with the love of the Father, the grace of our Son, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us as we go out after this service. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, for those who are online, there is an online link. Uh, if you need more prayers, you can just log on to the online link. And for those on site, we have pastors to pray for you. So you can come forward if you need uh, additional prayers. See you all next week. God bless.